What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another Deer Vein podcast. And today we're talking uh, kind of mobile setups, hunting your land for a specific time frame, and then also out of state hunting. And I got Aaron Blisey with me from the Fall Podcast, and he's got a lot of awesome podcasts. If you don't know his podcast, if you haven't checked it out, certainly go check it out. It's just the Fall Podcast. Um, and we're just going to talk about that stuff today because both of us run a lot of mobile setups. Um, you definitely do a lot more out-of-state hunting than I do, but I've also like, and then in terms of like timing on your property, like that's something I've been really working on myself personally a lot over the last seven, eight years. Yeah, definitely. I, man, I appreciate you having me on and, and reaching out and I've listened to a lot of your, a lot of your podcasts, love what you're doing over there. And, um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the guests that you have on are a lot of the guys that I like talking to and like hearing from, and that's what kind of gets me going. So when you reach out, I'm like, yeah, I got to do this for sure, man. I appreciate <laughs> having me on. Yeah, yeah, no, thanks, man. And it's it's funny how in like the podcast world, it's like, I I don't want to say this is a bad way to say it, but like guests are like recycled from all the different podcasts. But at yeah. the same time, the thing that I like about it is like, you know, if you have Dan Infault on your podcast you might ask him, you know, 20 or 30 questions that I like that never even crossed my mind. And I might ask him 20 or 30 different questions. So it's just like, it's little tidbits of information here and there that the same general sense of like hunting buck bedding area and swamps is the same, but how yeah. you go about it and whatnot is, is different. And that's what creates a different conversation. You get to really like learn about those people, you know, more and more and more. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's cool that you, you brought up Dan Infault because when I had him on my podcast, I think it was like episode 105 or 106 or something like that. I wanted to pick his brain about hunting ag country, like wide open flat land ag country with wooded fence rows, little wood lots. And the thing with him is he touches a wide variety of things because I mean, he's the OG, like he, he's done it all. I feel like, yeah. I mean, if, if you're like, yeah, there's this lone little oak tree out in the middle of my field, like he's hunted something like that, you know what I mean? He's been successful doing that. So yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you could talk about big woods, Wisconsin public land, and I could talk about hunting ag fields. And I mean, it's, it, it's great. And it's the times where you, you, right now you're hearing a lot of guests like the Andy Mays and uh, for good reason, Andy May is doing things at a very high level and been doing it for so long he's a guy I want to get on, but I'm like, he's been on like everybody's podcast and I don't want to get on or have him on and just like start having him regurgitate everything. So I'm looking for like a different angle. Yeah. 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 Make it unique for everybody who's listening. Give them yeah. a different perspective. Yeah. So that being said, what can, if people don't know like who you are and what you do and all that, can you tell them a little bit more outside of the fall podcast? Yeah, so uh, basically my day-to-day -day job is I, I'm a television producer and um, field producer for the Kiefer Brothers slash our brand Humanimal. Um, I've been doing that for the last nine years. And uh, basically anything that has to do with Chris or Casey in the whitetail or outdoor space, it comes through me in some shape or form. Usually I, I edit all their stuff. Um, we do have a couple other guys that if I get kind of bogged down or something like that and they, they help out, but they also shoot. Um, I'm Casey's exclusive cameraman have been for 
well, since 2012. So it's been a while. Him and I have been attached at the hip. And um, right now, a lot of people are like, you know, that don't know the inside of like what the TV world does. Like right now I'm, I'm working on editing TV shows and producing everything that we shot in the fall. So um, that's, I stick here at this desk, as you can see my makeshift uh, sheet behind <laughs> me, it kind of closes me in here. And uh, with this COVID thing, we've been working from home for, you know, since the beginning. And I think this is where we'll stay, which I love. I love working from home. So, yeah. So then, I mean, and everything that you're putting together right now for the Kiefer brothers is essentially going to air, like you guys are going to air all that in like Q3 essentially. Or yeah. So, yep. So Q3 starting around July 4th, will air Q3 and four. Um, we're trying to make a big digital presence push, which we have been in the past really starting to graduate last year we did it we're trying to do um you know the real-time kind of stuff like uh you know like a thp would or something like that sure. but uh right now we've got some stuff in the works that we're keeping on on the down low right now because we're getting ready to launch it that's why nobody's seen anything thing from us and uh it's been a lot of work it's been about the last 18 to 20 months working on it and i think it'll be something huge once once it gets right. launched and I can't wait because I I've got to see the back end of everything and work on the edits and the pictures and everything and I can see it and I'm like I just want everybody else to see <laughs> yeah. it right now so oh that's cool man that's awesome I'm excited I'm excited to check it out so yeah. if people want to find that it's going to be just on the key for brothers like socials social pages and YouTube channel and all that yeah so it'll be um it will be on our website it's going to be It'll be imhumanimal.com once it gets turned on. We do have a website right now, but it's going to be something different once it does get turned on. So yeah. you'll be able to consume everything there, um, but you will see stuff through our social channels, YouTube channel and everything. Um, we're going to use YouTube as a certain outlet, then not not try to reinvent the wheel, but we're going to use it for you know content. But the main focus is going to be at imhumanimal.com and it's going to be it's going to be big. Sweet. Looking forward to it, man. Yeah. So that being said, let's talk. Well, let's start out with, um, let's start out with mobile setups. So it's something that I've been playing around with. Like I've had a lone wolf setup. I've had a makeshift setup, which was, I don't know, 30 pounds, 40 pounds. <laughs> I've had <laughs> a saddle. Like, what do you, for guys that are like, you know what? I want to run, I want to run a mobile setup, like kind of Walk us, walk us through some of the options out there, things that you've tried and, and kind of where you've landed. So first I want to start off by saying I'm new to the mobile game. I'm not an expert by it at any means. My mobile hunting up until last year was I hunt or I hung set stands all the time. And then if I needed to move, I got mobile. I'd rip a stand down, I would get in tight, and then I'd go from there. When I when I made the switch last year to almost exclusively mobile was taking a millennium M seven on my back to each set, ripping it down, putting it up, ripping it down, putting it up, hunting it, all that stuff. Um, I made that jump last year and I kind of dabbled in it in 2010 and 11, somewhat of 12. I hunted exclusively out of, out of a saddle. It was a trophy line tree saddle. Um, it was when saddle hunting was not cool. It was not <laughs> like, it was so out of the ordinary. Everybody laughed at you. Everybody, you know, it, it was different. 
Um, Johnny Eberhart. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, no. John Eberhart actually lives in my hometown and I bought okay. my first saddle from John and he kind of got me into that. And I'll tell you, it was a learning curve in the fact that there was nothing out there to learn from. Like no, there was no YouTube with saddle hunting. There was no forums really that I could find. And it just really wasn't that big. Um, it was something I had to say no more tree stands and just go exclusively saddle to get used to it. And I liked it. There's so many benefits to it. I'm not going to sit here and say there's not, there's so many benefits to it, but the saddles then were not the saddles they are now. And the saddles that there are out there now are like Cadillacs compared to what I had. <laughs> I felt like, um, but it was good. It, I had, I struggled out of it. I struggled to shoot deer out of it. I won't lie to you. Um, I was missing high hitting high and, and it was kind of like the last straw, like, you know, get back to your comfort zone. So that kind of like put it on the back burner and then I've been staying exclusive. But last year I made the, I made the, the jump to be like, I need to explore more. And I'll tell you what, man, it was eye opening to say the least it, my deer numbers went up. My encounters went up. Um, it just seemed like I was learning more on a fast pace as far as woodsmanship, as far as how deer moved, how they used the property that I've hunted my whole life. I've hunted since, you know, my dad's hunted it since the seventies. I've been on this property my whole life. I found out new things about that property that I've never known. And it was crazy. And it was at an accelerated level. I will say that it was just so fast. That's cool. Yeah. And that's like, so to the, to take a step back for the reason, like someone might be going, well, what the hell I have, you know, seven ladder stands and I do all right every year. I mean, I see deer and whatnot. Why the hell would someone like that want to even get into the mobile game? And essentially the, I'll tell you my thoughts and you tell me yours, but the, the reason, well, I had to, just because in Wisconsin on public land, you can't have any permanent setups so you just got that's the only way you can yep. or you got to hunt from the ground but um but the big reason for that is essentially you know over time deer figure out where your stands are deer understand where you are and and sometimes even understand when you're going to be there so being mobile will help you like uh, give them more of a surprise that you're there Right. I mean, that's the whole objective is they never yep. know you're there and it's always a surprise. And sometimes it's not. So getting getting that surprise factor up, but then also like being able to like see movement during the rut, like see movement 200 yards away and see one buck, two buck, three bucks. And you're like, shit, I just got to go over there. And you can and if, if you are a mobile hunter and you understand, like it takes me about 10 minutes to tear this thing down and 15 minutes to set up and 10 minutes to walk over there. Like I can be up that tree over there in 45 minutes. Whereas someone who's who only does that once a year, maybe like, they're yeah. like yeah. you know, I don't want to take this tree stand down. I don't want to pull all this stuff down For sure. and, uh, and clang through the woods and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. And, and I will say too, uh, having the right setup that works for you is crucial because mm -hmm. I'm the type of guy also, well, to go back, if, if you're kind of, if you're talking about the guy, that's like the, the ladder stand guy or something like that, how, or why it would be beneficial for that guy to explore is because for me, number one is learning, learning alone. 
like I said, when I started hunting, like honestly, some sets I'd be like, I knew I wanted to be in an area and I would just be like that tree right there. I'm just going to like climb it and see what happens, you know, just throw, obviously play the wind and all that stuff. And I want to be in this area, but I was like, let's just see what happens. And I would have the best set of my life. Uh, I'd have bucks come by. I'd have, you know, a whole bunch of does. I, it just crazy things happen. And I just learned like every set I learned instead of going back to the same tree or the same sets that I had, um, the learning was crazy. And then to go on your point, you know, you're, you're keeping pressure low, um, on certain areas that you might be hunting more often. And, you know, I thought it was more fun. It was more like, not that hunting wasn't fun for anymore for me anymore, but it kind of like was this new thing. Like, let's, let's go do this. I'm excited. Like, um, so that, that alone right there was like the, the thing for me. Yeah. Um, changing up the views. Exactly. Not looking right, yeah. at the same popple trees all the time, you know, <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and you bring up a really good point of like learning new deer movement, because if you sit the same ladder stand or the same tree stand, and it seems like, man, every time I'm getting out of this thing, like I'm busting a deer, busting deer out. Cause they're getting here like right at dark or just after dark when I'm pulling out, like the next, the, the if you're, if you got a mobile setup, man, just move that thing, you know, 50 yards closer to where that deer came from or a hundred yards closer. And so you yeah. get, you, you learn, okay, where are they actually coming from? I know they kind of end up in here, but which trail are they taking? Where are they coming from? What bedding area they're using? Where's their destination source? You know, how are they using that on these winds and this time of year and all that stuff? Like, like you say, just that understanding more about exactly how those deer are very, are likely to use that property. Yeah. And I, I'm going to go back to one set. It was October 2nd evening, hotter than the hinges of Haiti out. Like I had like a t-shirt on, I got the stand. I was like, I didn't want to, I, I almost felt like, I'm like, why am I even hunting? But <laughs> I was in an awesome pinch um, that was kind of like a, it was like a, a sliver of timber that came out uh, into a clear cut that was just clear cut and the clear cut, the new growth was up pretty high. And uh, I was basically on the end of that point. And I was, the reason I was sitting there is because my thermals, I was on the edge of a swamp and my thermals were like rock solid. Like I knew that the deer could not get behind me. Like they only could come right in front of me. So I'm like, hanging my sticks. I get up, I hang the stand. I'm pulling my bow up. As I'm pulling my bow up, I kind of look up like this. And at 38 yards, there was six does bedded as I was hanging my stand. And I'm like, holy crap. Like <laughs> didn't even know they were there, you know? So I like get them, get my, my bow up, get everything around, get my camera ready and everything, start filming them. I watched these six does the whole night. They get up they, you know, they chew their cud, they're milling around, eating on new growth. And then I kind of, I, I watched them work off and how they were moving. And I'm like, man, then I asked myself, why, why were they there? And I started putting pieces together and I'm like, this is valuable information that I would have never known because I would have walked by these deer because they were probably about 80 yards from like the main trail that we walked through. I would have walked by them. They would have never seen me. I would have never known they were there. And you know, it's yeah, just that kind of stuff was so much fun. And, and the learning, like I said, the learning was just so cool. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So you mentioned uh, uh, your, your, your sticks in your stand. So that's, that's the mobile setup that you ran last year was 
what was it? So I use a Millennium M7. Um, okay. It's the smaller version of the Millennium. It is, I mean, I know there's a lot of really nice stand sets out there for mobile hunting. I mean, honestly, like Lone Wolf Custom Gear, Lone Wolf Stands, the Novix, XOP, I mean, saddles, there are tons out there. I will say, you know, Millennium is a partner of ours. And I'm not just going to say this because, you know, obviously They're a partner. they pay us to, <laughs> to use their stuff. But like I took Millennium's M7, it's like eight pounds bare stand um, and their sticks. And honestly, I, I like customized it to my liking my stand and i know everybody's like a weight you know gotta have the weight as low as you can weight get it um yeah. i use three i use three sticks all year uh i could get anywhere from 15 well about 14 to 18 feet i'm giving whatever i wanted to do uh and i was at about 13 pounds walking it and it was it was awesome it, it yeah. the stand the millennium seats to me are second to none they're the most comfortable seats on any stand out there i don't care who you are they just are um but really diving into customizing things was really cool and really fun for me but you know after i talked to some guys like cody DeQuisto and uh some other guys like i'm really starting to like I always feel like there's a template that everybody out there hears. Like you got to get 20 feet. You got to use this stand. You've got to be, you got to do things like X, Y, and Z. You have to do it this way. I feel like it always gets that way. And like hearing some of these guys talk about how they just don't give a shit and they're going to do whatever they want to do. Like that opened my eyes, like to be like, okay, eight feet, if eight feet works, yeah. do it. And I threw some sets like that. I've had does or does and deer, Bucks come right underneath me and not even care. Now you got to have the right setup as far as like foliage and, and cover. Yeah. Um, but no, I, man, I, I love it. He made a point of that on his, on his hunting season this year was like eight feet. He just put it on yeah. all, a ton of his posts, yep. like eight feet, eight feet. You only yeah. need two sticks, man. And, and, yeah. and I would just coming up to a tree, I would, I wouldn't go in it being like, I'm going to go on six feet. I'm going to go on eight feet. I would, I would cater it to, whatever the situation would occur. I mean, there was times I was 20, 22 feet in the air, mm -hmm. um, but there were some times where I could get enough foliage and I didn't want to put up three more sticks. So I'm only doing one stick and I'm only, you know, yeah. make it easy on yourself too. No, I think, I think some, some one thing like that people get trapped in, in, in a lot of different um, avenues, like uh, mobile setups is, is generally weight. Like people want a metric to judge things by, yeah. right? Like that's, that's what they're going like mobile setups are weight or, or height in a tree or a bow is feet per second. You know, when people get like wrapped up in, in these metrics and they forget the, the reason why, like, you know, I see people on, on the, on the hunting forums and whatnot that are like, man, I get 25 feet up. And I'm like, man, if I ever got 25 feet up, I wouldn't have any shooting lanes. So it doesn't make any damn sense. Yeah. But yep. The objective of being in a tree stand, there's a, there's a lot of different things, but the objective is more so like being able to see the deer first and so sometimes having better wind and being able to conceal your movement a little bit more out of their like typical line of sight. Like those yeah. are like the three main reasons for me. Um, and, and if you can do that at eight feet, 
dude, that's less to pack out at night in the dark or less to oh, 100%. Up in the morning, right? Like I, yeah. for me, I've, I've even done one stick. I had, I had one of the best bucks of my entire life on public come to 15 yards in one stick because there was a giant, I was, there was two, um, uh, two poplar trees, like six feet apart or so. No, not six feet apart, like four feet apart. And there was a big bush that came up to about six feet on these poplars. And then after that, there was nothing. And it was pretty wide open. And it was like 30 yards, 20 yards to like the, the trail and this edge that I was hunting of this swamp. Uh, I was expecting these deer to come kind of out of this really thick stuff and walk this edge of the swamp. And I was off that edge because I couldn't get on the edge. Okay. So I, so the only cover I had was this bush that was like six feet. So what I did was I set my stand at like three and a half feet or four feet off the ground. So then it was kind of like my head was just poking up above. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I had a really nice buck come through and I drew on him and uh, it was just too dark for me. I drew on him and Uh. I looked through my peep and looked at my pins and all my pins just covered his entire body. And, <laughs> oh man. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't, and he was quartering away a hard quartering away. So I was like, dude, I, you know, there's a really small margin of error here. Yep. So I, I just undrew and I was like, well, I got a trail camera right here. I'll see how big he, uh, really how big he was and everything next time. <laughs> and three days later, I go back to check that trail camera and some asshole had stolen it. Like, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. Yep. Come on. I know people. I was I know I was pissed about it. Um and well, yeah, and to, to kind of further your point though, too, you had three different three good, you know, reasons why that, that is effective and what you should really think think about when you're hanging. But I'm gonna add one more in there and I'm gonna talk about your shot angle. Your shot angle alone, you know, getting a little yeah. lower in some of those situations, your shot angle they are so much better. Um, they can be, uh, I've had some things really nip me in the butt, like being too high. I really haven't had a lot of those instances being too low and, and shot angles really, you know, hurting my chances. Um, yeah, this year, late season on my, on one of my farms here in Michigan, I shot a doe in uh mobile setup. It was in the snow. I only got about, uh, probably 10 or 11 feet. And I hit her a touch high, but I double lunged her um, and she ran 40 yards and, and that was it. And uh, not to say that if I was five feet higher, it would have been any worse, but she was only at 11 yards. So my, you go up a little higher, it's going to be more of a trajectory straight down instead of like straight across. So yeah, um, that can help as well. For, you know, yeah, for sure. Especially if you're like on a tree that's like five feet off the trail. You know, because that's one of those questions in your mind. You're like, shit, I'm five feet off the trail. I want to get like 20 feet up because they're going to see me. But then you're yep. like, shit, then my shooting, my shot angle is terrible. So you got to yeah. like play the game and figure out how you can make that work. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway, back to like the, the general mobile setups. So, so you had the millennium stand with, with millennium sticks, correct? Yeah, I was, I was jumping between Millennium Sticks and I was actually using some Wild Edge steps okay. from Drew Walter over yeah. at Wild Edge. Yep. So those are very effective. Um, I will say they suck if you don't know how to use them. Um, they can yeah. <laughs> be a pain in the ass, but 
they are effective. They are, they are built rock solid. They are light. I think they're one pound per step and I would only take in five, you know, so five extra pounds. Um, and I could still get up 15 feet if I wanted to. And I was running a, um, movable aider as well. So okay. that helped a lot. Uh, for anyone who I, doesn't know what an aider is, it's essentially just a loop that hangs off and yep. so you can put your foot in and almost use it as a step, but you don't need to have a step. It's just a, a cable or a rope that you can use to give yeah. you an advantage. And it's, those things are very effective. I've made my own out of aim steel. Um, just kind of hacked some guys that were on YouTube and kind of get, I had a lot of fun making it and it was effective. It worked really well. So yeah, and that's yeah, but that was kind of, I ran millennium sticks most of the time, but I did, there was times where I, sure. you know, if I was going a little deeper and I wanted to be a little lighter cause they were a little lighter than the millennium stuff. Uh, I would run those wild edge steps and they, they are effective, but get to know that knot because that knot where you got to tie them. <laughs> if, if nobody knows what I'm talking about, go to wild edge and look at, it's like a cam system that you cam over the step. Um, it's rock solid. If you can get the knot down. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So I bought, I had 12 of those. Um, and so I had lone wolf sticks, I had muddy sticks, and then I had, uh, like the muddy pro sticks, and then I had the wild edge steps. And because of the learning curve on the wild edge steps, I just, I ended up selling them. Nothing, yeah. nothing wrong about them. There's just that little bit of a learning curve. You are going to save weight and shave weight. But the other thing that I like to, when I'm looking at a mobile setup is, you know, there's, there's a few different things you can do. If you're on private land or you have the ability, you can use screw and pegs, right? Like John Eberhardt yeah. just presets all of his stuff with screw and pegs or bolts. Um, there are some strap on step steps, right? Um, yeah. there's a couple guys who make those and I can't think of them off the top of my head right now, but, um, a couple guys who make this, the strap on steps, then you have the wild edge steps, which are kind of a category of their own. And then you essentially have climbing sticks. And most people, so I opt for climbing sticks personally, because you get, a, you get a lot higher, a lot faster with less um, work. So, yep. right. Just, just like, I mean, just the, like with the lone wolf sticks or the muddy pro sticks, like just wrap that strap around, hook, hook it on the loop, pull it tight and you're done. Right. And there you go. You're at three feet or four feet. hundred percent. Yeah. It's so, a lot yeah. less work to me too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, 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 so when you get to the tree, it's a faster uptime and it's a faster teardown time. So that, that, that to me is worth the additional weight. Some people think otherwise, right. And that's totally cool. It's the, the fun thing about mobile setups and why so many people are like customized and geared into them is because like it, uh, it's all in what you want your system to do and how you want to hunt. Right. 100%. Cause I've seen some people have six sticks on their setups and I'm like, why the hell are you doing that? You know, right. and they're like, well, I, the, where I'm hunting, I'm probably going to get to need to get 22, 25 feet yep. running six sticks. Like you're nuts. But yeah. for me, like I'm running three or four, depending on the day, sometimes two, if I know where yeah. I'm at. Do you know Byron Horton from White Hill Experience? I don't know him. I know of him. Yeah. Okay. So I've talked to Byron quite a bit and I've confided in him with mobile setups because he does a lot of mobile hunting and he'll even tell you, he'll take in five or six steps, but he'll, a lot of times he'll leave two steps at the base of the tree 
and he'll be like, why, why did I bring all this stuff? You know, <laughs> but it's like, you never know if you're going to need it or not, but yeah, me, the aider was really helpful. I'll always run some sort of an aider. I'm going to, I'm really modifying sticks this year for this next year. I've already, I've got really geeked out on it and I haven't really said a lot about it because I didn't want to be the guy that was just jumping on the bandwagon, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm that guy right yeah. now. So yeah, um, I bought my own am steel, made my own am steel rope mods. Um, I'm going, you know, no buckles going light right. and I'm making my own am steel. I'm nice. making another aider for each stick. Um, I only want to use three steps. That's all I'm going to take in. I'm using 30 inch steps, double steps. That's all I want to take in. And sometimes I might only want to take two steps. So I'm, I've got a movable aider and I've got, I'm going to have aiders on my sticks as well if I need them. So nice. No, that'll be, yeah, that's like, I have a friend who's pretty close to that same setup. So like one, one of the things that you mentioned there is the double step. So like the, even within the stick category, it breaks down even more into like yeah. full length or half length. You know, are you going <laughs> yep. three foot or two foot and then single steps or double steps, you know, XOP, Novix, Lone Wolf, Lone Wolf custom gear. Well, Lone Wolf custom gear has doubles now, but generally those are a single step. So when you're walk, yep. when you're climbing that stick, you go right, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot. You don't have the option of doing both. Yeah. Um, whereas you know, and then the other piece is, is are those steps collapsible or not? Can they fold up right. onto the stick or not? So like, that's an, even another level in there. <laughs> Cause you it have, is. Um, it's so, yeah. you can get so granular with it, man. Right. And like the, so a stick that I haven't tried that I'm going to buy this year. Um, I just need to like save my allowance for um, two months, <laughs> three months is the Shikars. Like, okay. Yeah. Have you seen those at all? High end, very high end. <laughs> yeah, like hundred, a hundred dollars a stick. Um, a friend of mine has them, but they fold up into like essentially a very streamlined, like half an inch thick, one inch thick, you know, yep. setup. And then, um, and they're they're soup, they're small, and they're they do everything you want them to do, but they're a hundred dollars or a hundred and ten dollars a stick, which is okay. I got a question <laughs> for you. I know I'm going to play podcast host on you. Yeah. So, okay. So one of the big things going around the hunting community is like, you know, why do you need all this? Why do you spend so much money on all this gear when it doesn't really help you kill bucks or kill deer? So yeah. my question to you is not, I'm playing devil's advocate here. I'm just asking a question. Why do you think you need those shikars for a hundred dollars a stick when you could get like let's say just even a hawk helium stick that for five 30 inch double step sticks that stack real good and they're pretty light for 140 bucks yeah why would i buy a shikar i'm gonna switch the roles here so yeah, what do you got <laughs> no, absolutely no reason besides want there is literally no logical reason there besides want I respect that. Yeah, no, there's, there's, there's no logical reason to it whatsoever. And I like, that's why I've, I have my lone wolf set up, my lone wolf sticks, my muddy pro sticks. Um, and yeah, those three things that I own that I use all the time are all Craigslist buys. Like I'm not really? a, I'm not an expensive dude. Like I am good for you, man. Yeah, no, they, they're all Craigslist buys. And the thing is, is like, I've had those muddy sticks for four years now. And, um, 
and they have been awesome. Like, you know, Muddy has gotten a pretty poor rap right now. Like a lot of their stuff's breaking or it's getting recalled. Same with some yeah. of the Hawk stuff is getting recalled. But, um, but these are, you know, older. And I think it's older before they were bought by, I forget who, who bought them and then started changing up some of the products there. Um, but they, so, so, I mean, they've been good to me and I'm okay with using them and they've been really good. So I have no, I have no reason to purchase the Shakar besides I I want to, which is another, which is a great point because a lot of this stuff is, has absolutely zero need and a lot of want. Right. Right. Well, and we can say this about any piece of gear. Like you could be like, why do you need X saddle? Why do you need X stand? Like, yeah, you know, it's, it's all in your prerogative and what you want to do and what fits you. Let's be honest. Like, I just spent like, you know, right after season, I spent, I don't know, endless amounts of time on customizing my sticks for next year. And I'm like, I geeked out on it. I thought it was really cool to do it. And I'm like, ah, this is like, I can customize it to how I want it. And it was so much fun to do that. Now come season next year, I'll probably be like, well, this sucks. Like this is not (laughs) how I wanted it. But to kind of go back, I'm cheap. Like I squeak when I walk. So like, I'm always trying to find like the best deal, like Craigslist buy or garage sales or something yeah. like that. Like that's me, you know, the like garage I don't, sales are the best. So, like if you stumble, if you're driving around on a Saturday morning to go get coffee or whatever the hell, and you <laughs> drive by a place and they got some blaze orange out, I'm pulling in every time <laughs> <laughs> to be like, okay, what else you got here? You know, yep. what's going on? Yeah. Or if I see a fishing sure. pole, man, I'm stopping. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, yeah, that's the only reason why I would buy the cars. Um, and, and some people do it for weight purposes, but like at, at a point you're going from like four sticks at three pounds a stick or whatever. So you're at 12 pounds going from 12 pounds to 10 and a half pounds. What the fuck does that? I mean, really? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Just get a little bit more fit and you'll be fine. Like, right. So at that point, there isn't a whole lot of uh, exponential gain for the, for the dollars. Right. Yep. So it's, it's finding a set that you want, that you like, that fits you. And then the other thing is like setting it up. Cause I've, I've bought a couple other um, like mobile tree stands and I honestly don't even remember the name of them, but they didn't like I couldn't set them up as quick and they didn't have like a Versa button kind of like the lone wolf does, or they didn't have a button. And that button actually makes a world of difference in how quick and easy it is to set up. I've never used yeah. the M seven at all. That's, that's also on one of my to purchase list just for fun. Um, yeah. And the, the cool thing about that one real quick is yeah. the millennium. They have that receiver, you know, they, they patent that receiver that's got it's the female end that you basically put around the tree it's got a ratchet strap on it but i eliminated the ratchet strap i bought a 15 dollar climbing piece um gosh i can't remember the name of it now it's like yay long and it's got two climbing carabiners on each side but they've got two eyelets on each side so i take one carabiner off and on the receiver it's got a screw that you screw down in the receiver and i screwed that one side on there and then i just do like a pull strap like a cam lock tree or a strap yeah and uh i just take that carabiner and i clip it on that pull strap and pull it you know and then there's no ratchet strap so i totally eliminated that ratchet yeah and that was a game changer that is like a 15 dollar modification that there's no noise 
And I'm even toying around with getting, because you can buy those receivers from Millennium. I'm toying around with when I set, uh, when I go in like the spring or summer, or whatever, and I prep trees, take receivers and put them in the tree and just let them leave them there. Yeah. And then when I go, I just come up and pop it in my, pop my tree stand and I'm done. Right. I've even toyed around that and just having one mobile receiver that I keep in my truck or my box mm-hmm. that I know if I'm going to go do like what Eberhardt would call a freestyle hunt, I have that receiver. I, it just goes with me, whatever yeah. that was. I've been oh, kind of toying makes- around with that. And that makes sense. Those I've never used those receivers, but I know they're out there. And that's like, you know, one of the the hardest thing about mobile setup isn't setting the sticks. It's hanging the stand. That's where people get yep. hung up. Like I've gone hunting with friends and after you hang um, an M7 or a lone wolf, you hang it 40 times in a season, you get pretty good with it. Right. Yep. So like I've gone with friends and they're like, holy shit, that's the fastest I've ever seen a tree stand set up in one of the, (laughs) you know, but, but you like, you understand, like you look at a tree and you can go, that tree is going to suck to set up in. And -hmm. then you look like, you know, 10 feet to your right. You're like, let's go in this tree, you know? And so then, and you can pick trees. You understand what tree is going to be quicker and easier to set up in. And if it still gets to you, to your shooting lanes that you want and whatnot, yeah, you, you set up quicker and then you know, setting up the actual tree stand gets quicker every time. Cause like I said, the people who just go out, you know, one time in, you know, in September and set their stands, it takes them, you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes to set a stand. And then, you know, once you get good with the mobile, you're like, I'm up and down and, or I'm up in yep. 10 minutes and I'm, I'm ready to roll. Right. And, and this might sound ass backwards, but to your point, if you're the guy that only goes out and does it once or twice or something like that, to me, it's more of a pain in the ass than doing it 40 times. Cause like you said, if you do it 30, 40 times, it's like second nature. It's like riding a bike. But if you go out there once or twice, you get like, I've done it. You get to the base of the tree and it's like, man, how, like, I don't remember how I packed this. I don't remember how it, right. Where's that strap playing it all over. You're like, geez, you know, like I might as well just like, (laughs) exactly. So to your point to do it more, the better. And you find these little nuances And my biggest thing is make it easy on yourself. Uh, Don't try to reinvent the wheel. If something's not working for you, change it, find a way that it works for you. So, yep. And that, yeah, that whole piece is to get back to like that receiver, which is really slick because now you don't have to hold a, whatever, a seven to 10 pound tree stand in your hand while right. you set it up you just set the receiver up which weighs half a pound and then you just pull your stand up and lock it in and you're done yep so that is a, a really slick a really slick way to do things for sure i i, yeah. I can see why that would be good um so that is and then as far as stands go i mean there's like we've mentioned the the novix and the lone wolf and lone wolf custom gear and all that and m7 the other one is like the hunting beast dan just came out with his but yep. damn it's like 400 bucks or some shit and I see a lot of people are giving them shit too. And like, I understand, like, you know, it's a high-end stand. The thing is people, you got to understand that stand is one stand that you're going to buy and you'll never have to buy another one, you know? And it's hard for, I'm not gonna lie. It's hard for guys at our, our age. I want qual or quantity over quality. To be honest <laughs> with you, I want like, I want 40 millenniums that I can take wherever ex- instead yeah. of one $630 stand. That's just the way I feel, but. 
Yeah. You know? No. And I, but, and I think it's a testament to, to, to people not understanding what a small business American made product actually costs, you know, to be in business. I think, I, I mean, America's been induced with so much cheap Chinese and how can we get this cheaper, cheaper, cheaper that people think that that's just the way it is. Then all of a sudden you get hit with, Hey, here's an hundred percent American made product by a guy who has to invest all of this money into engineering and design on of his own dime. And he's not even looking to make that much. It's not like it's going to be a real job for him right now. You right. know, and so he's got to sell it for 600 bucks. Cause it probably costs him 450, 500 to make the damn thing. Yeah. You know, so I mean, and he's just trying to make everybody else out there's life easier because if he was going to do this for himself and have one stand, he would have just made one or two and just call it Hoyle. Like, yeah, he's trying to make everybody out there better and like want, like, I don't know Dan personally, but I, I can only imagine he's not doing this to get rich. I, I, mean, I don't know thing. him either. And I should, cause he lives 40 minutes from me. Um, <laughs> we almost like the pieces of public of that we hunt almost touch. Yeah. Um, but I've just never, I've never reached out to him or anything yet. Um, but, and I shot, I should, I should have, I should. Um, but anyway, like, yeah, I mean, you have that whole setup and there's a few others that I'm sure I'm, I'm missing. Um, out on, yeah, out on a limb doesn't make any, but you have the timber ninja sticks too, which are those all carbon yep. sticks. I haven't tried those, but those are double steps and whatnot. Um, like three foot, the lightest ones. I think, I mean, yep. Tether came out with their new ones. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's lots of options out there. And then you, then if you're not looking at a stand, what about a saddle? And now you're in this whole, you know, new category. Um, yep. <laughs> do you buy a platform? Yes. Do you not buy a platform? <laughs> you know, and yep. people, I've, I've posted this on forums a few times and people give me shit for it. And I don't, I really don't care, but I don't even use a platform. I just put my four sticks up and then I stand on the top stick. It's a double step. And I, that's, that's where it's at for me. And that's what I do. And if that's worked for you, man, that's great. Right. Yeah. And I use uh so, and be, and I don't think a lot of people use, um, I think the reason it works for me, cause I, I messed up with this was I wore like my standard lacrosse muck boots or whatever out there. And, uh, and standing on that top step in those sucks. Like after about oh, yeah. an hour, my feet are really fatigued and they're starting to hurt. If I wear like my Western hunting boots, like my $400 schnees, um, that have a really hard sole, really hard bottom no problem. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what works for me. And then I run, I run an arrow hunter saddle and that's, I sit in that probably like even on a piece of private, I have eight tree stands hung on that on a hundred acres. And I will sit that mobile setup 50% of the time, mm -hmm. you know, and I do have, I actually have, um, some sticks. They are, oh man, river's edge maybe, or, um, yeah. Or big, big something. I, f I forget what it is, but they're fleet farm specials. And, oh, yeah. and I have those just set, set up on trees with no stand. So yep. I'll just go and hop up those three or four of those, and then just stand at the top of that too. And that way I don't even have to set up sticks. Yeah. And I'm always going to do some, I'm always going to have some set stands. I'm never, I mean, I always want that option. There's, there's, you know, I, I hunt, one of my farms is a one acre farm. It's, 
you know, a mobile setup in that can get tricky, but I feel like there's a very good benefit to it also. Um, but, you know, I've got spots that I'm so tight to some bedding that I don't want to have to go in there and jockey around with a stand and hanging sticks. So it's like, leave it here. Yeah. And last year it almost paid off for me. I was really tight to a deer that I kind of snuck up in the tree and then about an hour later, he walked out. I got an opportunity at him. I screwed the pooch on that, but like, I feel like I'm not saying I mean, hindsight's always 2020, but I, I'm not saying if I would have hung a stand, it would have been blown him out of the country, but who knows the way my head works is if, if I know I'm that tight to him, I just want to be able to get in the stand and, and uh, cause it's tight quarters in there and I want to be is. able to, to have it already preset and, and uh, know where, what I'm getting into. Yeah. Into that, to that point, um, I have an experience and I'm sure I have a bunch of experiences that would counter this, but, um, people tend to think that if you make a noise, if you clang your stand, if you drop your stick, your hunt's over It's like shit fucked up. I'm yep. done. Right. And it's just, I, I know, I know that's just not the case. Um, on our new property, the biggest buck I've ever seen on our property I set up a stand a, I dropped the last stick. So the fourth stick dropped it flat <laughs> down to the ground and it hit, uh, it hit part of the tree stand that was sitting there. And that was a muddy tree stand, no gaff tape, no nothing on it. So it was like, ting. And I was just like, shit. <laughs> um, but then I also like on that stand, I was hanging it as it was during season, but I, the intent was to leave it. I was just like, I'm going to yep. hang you up and I'm going to leave you here. Um, and so for that, I, I always bring a ratchet. I always just for safety reasons, whatever, uh, another, not necessarily hundred percent logical thing, but just an emotional thing where I like to have two straps on my stand, yep. for whatever reason. And, um, I always put the top one is almost always a pull tight strap and the bottom one's almost always a ratchet strap. That way I can really secure that thing right down to the tree. So I put that stand up and I tightened the ratchet strap pretty good, but I probably got like, I don't know, six or seven clicks in it, you know, clicking that thing. And then I set up in that thing 40 minutes later, the biggest buck that I've ever seen on the property stood up at 60 yards. Whew. Right. And so he was just like right there. And I'm like, and it was like zero wind foggy um, and, and little chilly out. So it's not like I was the quietest, like, I mean, I was stepping on leaves and freaking out. <laughs> let, let me ask you this. Were you, was it a farm that uh, you've got regular farmers around like driving trucks and, you know, is it close to a farm? Yeah. So it, it, yep. So that could have played a role in it, the neighbor. So the farm that I was hunting there, it, which now belongs to us, but previously and still continuously the neighbor has rights. He mows our trails for us. And in yep. return, um, he gets to drive his four wheeler. He likes to take his dog for runs on his four wheeler. Yep. So they run up and down the property. That's something that I've kind of come to find here in Michigan on a couple of properties. Like my brother-in-law, he farms um, one of the farms that I hunt. And I mean, there's constant commotion over there. So I agree with you, you know, some metal hitting metal, in that scenario, it could blow them out. Just depends on the demeanor of the deer and how close you are probably. But like, 
A lot of times, yeah, I agree. I mean, you might get away with murder and <laughs> just don't care. But I will say if you're like in the back thick of public land, I'm going to guess I've never hunted public land, but like where they don't, where deer don't see a lot of humans and they don't, you know, interact with a lot of that, you know, the hearing of yeah. cars and stuff like that, you might not get away with something like that. But I, I mean, would, yeah, I could be wrong. No, no, I would, I would agree with that. I think it's all in, I, and you know what, like, maybe you made a loud noise, but you got a 12 mile an hour wind in your face and that deer yeah. is upwind at 80 yards and he didn't hear it. You thought he did, but he didn't, you know, I feel like a, we give deer too much credit. <laughs> so, I mean, dude, it's like, as soon as you think you give them too much credit, you didn't give them enough. <laughs> well, they're very humbling. I'll tell you. Just right, like yeah. Yeah. As I feel like, you know, I say this often, but it's just like people, like some, some people are smart and some people are stupid and you can have a big muscled out giant dude. That's just a doorknob. And you can have a big muscled yep. out giant dude. That's, you know, smart as a whip. So dumber than a bag of hammers, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah. So then, uh, what was I, I was going to say, Oh, so yeah, with the ratchet strap thing and all that is just like, you don't like, it's obvious, but you don't want to make noise. But if you do, it's not, it's not the end of the world. And also right. the other big thing is the type of area that you think you're hunting. Like if you're hunting the, the pre-rut or the rut and you're kind of hunting more of a pass through area, or you're not necessarily thinking you're close to a bedding area. It's much less of an issue than if you're hunting early season or late season. And you're really trying to, like, you've been talking about trying to get in real tight quarters, right? then yeah, that's a, that's much more of an issue then. For sure. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So we're, yeah, we're rolling up on an hour here. I think we're going to have to do a part two, Aaron. That's <laughs> fine with me, man. Wow. Right, it's already yeah. an hour. Usually I'm on the host part of this. So it's like that went by really fast and my face is blown out. See, it's like, ah, it's terrible. No, terrible it's here. Again, I'll throw in, <laughs> yeah, I'll throw in a little highlight or something like highlight reduction. Can't fix ugly though over here. So that's why I wear a hat. Kinda. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Next time I'll wear a neck gator. I'll yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Get your mask on, man. I'm catching COVID. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm good with um, doing a second part if you want. No big yeah. deal. Okay. So, but okay. Before we before we hop off though. What's, um, is there anything else in a mobile setup? I mean, we covered, we covered sticks, all the different climbing methods. We covered stands, um, saddle hunting is a kind of a conversation in itself. Um, and yeah. I, I feel like anybody who has listened to this podcast has heard me talk about saddles. Um, yeah. so is there anything, I mean, climbers, we didn't even touch climbers. Yeah. You know, I used to hunt out of a climber as well. When I was in high school, it was the most sketchy situation I've ever had in my life. Um, but I, I did really, really well out of it. Maybe back in the day when I was doing that though, I, I had less of standards, but I felt like every time I went and hunt with a climber, I killed something. Um, but I will say, you know, if there, is there anything else on climbers there? I feel like they're, they definitely have a, a place in this mobile hunting game. I think they're a forgotten tool. It's just like a tool. It's like any tool, like you're like a mechanic, you know, yeah. um, a tree stand is one tool. A saddle is another tool. Um, you know, just, I would a different tool, tool up, you know what I mean? Like yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. something yeah. else in your toolbox to use. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say saddles are the best thing or tree stands are the best thing. And you only should use this one thing. 
Um, I think scenarios out some scenarios outweigh other scenarios, but I feel like there's times like the tree that I killed my Iowa deer out of, there was no way I was saddle hunting in it. There was, uh, it was a tree stand only. I'm, I'm not kidding you. It was as big as this Yeti. Like, I mean, <laughs> it was that big. I have a picture. Three inches. If in I can find it. I have a picture that we were like ratchet strapping tree stands together to get them in the tree. Cause we knew we had to be there. And I was only eight feet off the ground. Um, so there's time, I feel like if I was sitting in a saddle, the tree would be like way back like this, you know, like you're just dangling yeah, the there. Lean. But yeah. exactly. So I don't know. I just feel like I agree. There are yeah, tools there, that there are different certain, applications, you know? Yes, certainly. There are certain scenarios, even though like prime example is there is a, in Wisconsin, you can't trim trees on public land. You know, I go in there and there's a tree that sets up. I always want my shooting lane to my left. I'm a right-handed shooter. I always want to draw and I want the deer to be on my left. There are trees yep. that just set up extremely well for a stand because it's on that side of the trailer, on that side of the area, or there's branches on the other side and you can't set up that way, you know? Right. So there are scenarios like that for sure, um, where just one is better than the other. And then in terms of like, the the climber versus a stand and sticks versus uh, a saddle and sticks or whatever. I think that comes down to like the reason I don't have a climber is just I don't have a lot of straight branchless trees in my area, which yep. which if I did, a climber would be a phenomenal resource for me. And I would probably use them a lot more. I'd probably have a lone wolf climber or something like yep. that. But because most of the trees in my area have a lot of branches, hunt a lot of oaks, a lot of poplars, um, I just don't have, I don't have that luxury. Yeah, and I feel like that's probably why climbing, other than you know the mobile setups for as far as tree stands and saddles have gotten bigger. But I feel like that's probably why climbing, or climbers have, kind of went by the wayside is because. I mean, you're sitting out in a telephone pole, really. I mean, you can't really, I mean, it's gotta be a perfect situation. You could go into an oak and like an oak flat or an oak bottom or something like that and look around and you're like, I want to be in here, but I can't get in here because they're all white oaks and red oaks and like right. limbs everywhere. And it's like, you're kind of screwed. So um, sorry to the, all the climber guys that are just holding on to that last little breath, but um, <laughs> you know, I yeah. don't know if, if I had one thing, sorry to, to, no, no, I, no, one thing no, about no. um mobile hunting that i want to like just kind of like jam home is like definitely take little nuances from anybody out there doing it but like make it your own don't think you have to be four or five sticks or two sticks or three sticks do what works for you and make it very minimal work for yourself because if you do if you don't do that it'll be a pain in the ass and you'll not want to do it. And I feel like you'll be very stagnant coming from me that I made the jump to do it. And I've learned so much more. I mean, I've been hunting my whole life in like the last year I, I learned so much more than I did in the last 10 years. That felt like, yeah, no, that's a great point and a great time to end the podcast. So we're going to end this one for now and we'll get another podcast down here in the next week or two weeks or whatever. So we'll have sure. a part two. All right. And awesome, the part man. two will cover what I was, what I talked about in the beginning. I apologize to all the listeners thinking that we're going <laughs> to cover this, 
but it is essentially like understanding when your when your property is hot. Is it when are your best odds on your property? Is it early season? Is it pre-rut? Is it rut? Is it late season? And then scouting, uh, scouting your property specifically for those times of year, for that time of year, um, and doing it here in the next couple months. You know, before everything greens up and all the signs fresh, and you can see it all. So sure, that's man. what we're going to be covering in part two. Sounds good to me. Right. Thank you very much for having yeah. me on. Yeah, you bet. And for everybody listening again, fall podcast, go check it out, go find it, subscribe to it on whatever you listen to on podcast, and then keep an eye out for the cool stuff coming from Kiefer and I am Humanimal. Yep. All right. Definitely. Awesome. Catch you guys later. Thanks, man.